This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. All right. Welcome to Revolution, everybody. Um, we're doing our first Instagram live video. We should get a little thing so you can... We should get a little thing so you don't have to hold it. Yeah, I should pop it up on something. But anyway, um, here we are. Good to be good to be here. Uh, we didn't have service last Sunday, so sorry if you showed up and we weren't here. Um, we forgot to announce it as usual because we are practicing unorganized religion one week at a time. Um, man, we've been doing a lot. Um, me and Caleb have been hitting out the um, Meet Your Congregations, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, we had one come out, well, if you're listening to this online, last week with Brian Yarborough, who does, uh, Brian Yarborough, Brian Odland, who does, um, <clears throat> does uh, the Sacred Collective, which is kind of a sister church to us, and we love what they're doing. Um, yeah, so good things are happening. Um, what else? Oh, just being a dad. Got the kids this weekend, being a dad, and uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving. By the time you've heard this, we'll have all hopefully survived Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. Well, today's not going to be a super long talk, um, but I was kind of reflecting. I had a friend of mine lose a, a loved one, lose a, lose a parent this past week, and I was just starting to... Th- made me think a little bit about life after death. And growing up, that seemed to be the main focus of the church was basically, you know, go to heaven or go to hell. (laughs) And that was kind of the idea behind religion and behind my faith was, you know, get right with Jesus. And... um, And so you don't burn for eternity or get left behind and have to go through the tribulations and get 666 on your hand or get your head cut off or whatever they did or they tortured you until you got 666, all the horrible movies that they made, especially in the 80s. Um, But I think they made some really bad ones in the 90s as well. Uh, Yeah, the Left Behind series. So, yeah, that seemed to be a big big focus. And... um, it seemed like, you know, hey, get this, you know, I saw this little mem, and it was a Jesus knocking on the door, and he's like, let me in, let me in, I want to save you. And the guy goes, from what? From what I'm going to do to you if you don't let me in? You know, and it's often that that's what it's like. It's like, you know, Jesus loves you so much that if you don't love him back, he's going to send you to hell forever. And that never made sense to me. You know, it's something I worked through for years trying to figure that out. Like, how does this make sense? And people are like, God's judgment is perfect, and it's just, and, you know, all this stuff. So I had to deal with that. And I I went through a study, and maybe we'll do a a sermon. I'll do a sermon on that one day. I'm sure I've done one in the past, probably when I was doing the study, because I like to do things when I'm in the midst of them. But, you know, kind of did a word study on hell, realizing there was three different words and all this stuff. I remember one time... I was doing an uh, interview with Larry King, and he had me on to talk with a couple um, scientists who are atheists, and they were talking about, you know, 
hopefully one day I would be able to come around and get rid of my brainwashing. Um, it's funny, we got a letter recently from a atheist saying that they thought, you know, I was such a critical thinker that I could probably get rid of God altogether. But the problem is, because I'm a critical thinker, I can't choose either one. <laughs> you know, sometimes I don't believe in God, sometimes I do. Um, but that's the critical thought, is I don't subscribe to either because 100%, because I don't know. And that's why I often say I'm an agnostic Christian. You know, I can't tell you 100%. I'm not going to sell you something that I don't have. But I found a lot of hope and passion following Christ. But um, did this word study. So I did this show, and they, these guys were like, well, you're Jesus. You know, you talk about Jesus all the time. He's like, but your Jesus talked more about hell than anybody in the Bible. <clears throat> and I said, well, which hell are you talking about? And they didn't know. You know, and I'm like, is it the one that's southwest of Jerusalem? Is it the burial ground? Is it the one about the other, the other faith? I, I don't even have all the names. In, what is it? Gehenna. Sheol. Sheol. Um, so they all have different meanings. And so through time, I, I, I've started to give up my belief in hell. Um, and some people say, well, is the next step not believing in heaven? Well, you know, I got asked by somebody what 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 my thoughts were you know what are you thinking about the afterlife and i just said you know i just don't worry about it anymore you know but then when you have somebody who's passes and and, and dies and, and and you think about it and you know i always have people sending me messages like oh you know your mom's loving your your kids from up far above and up above and all that stuff and Try not to get too scientific or too literal about above, you know. <laughs> what about people in Australia? Um, <laughs> is it above for them, too? Um, we, live in a, we live in a circle. Um, but anyway, heaven and hell, big question. But I got to think, you know, and then my friend Pete, of course, he always says, you know, do I believe in life after death? I believe in life before death, you know. And I believe that's pretty awesome. And I'm learning to embrace that uh, more and more every day and finding a lot of peace in that. Not, you know, suffering still happens, death still happens, but I do find a lot of peace in living life before death. So what do we know about what happens after death? I think Keanu Reeves was getting interviewed and someone asked him, what happens after we die? And he goes, our loved ones will miss us. I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful, you know. And and that's true. People will miss us. Um, and people will remember us. Um, but we often, we carry the dead with us. And that's what I want to talk about life after death is, is, you know, when I was talking to my friend, I was like, you know, you have a part of your dad in you, you know. Well, I said probably that's probably what I like best about you, <laughs> you know, that we can sit in uncom- we can sit in silence and not be uncomfortable, and um, you know, and I think I carry a part of my mom with me wherever I go, you know, and I hear that a lot, and people say, oh, your mom would be so proud of you and what you've done, and you know, carrying on her legacy, and yeah, she sewed huge into my life, just hugely into my life, and. Um, and I feel like she still lives because of me. You know, I feel like she still lives through my sister. You know, I didn't say even through my father, you know, and through 
the thousands of people's lives that she touched that I hear from. You know, I still see her life has made a difference. You know, it's funny to still see people getting tattoos of my mother on them. You know, it's like this, this is the legacy. This is what happens after death is that we often carry people's legacies with us. Um, sometimes we, we don't, when we don't mourn, it can be a negative. You know, we can push it up, down and deny it and not deal with it and not let the pain go of them not physically being with us anymore. I know I did that when I went through loss. My mother, I just kind of jumped into a relationship and just did my best not to deal with it. And of course, what happens when that relationship ends, everything came out, you know, and I had to deal with it a few years later. I had to learn to mourn. I had to learn to get through that. And I've had to learn to do that in my own divorce and things like that. You know, often loss is not just a physical loss. Sometimes a loss is, is, is a breaking up of a relationship or a friendship ending and just moving on. I um, read this quote the other day and I put it up on my Twitter. Um, <clears throat> and it says, uh, goodbyes are only for those who love with their eyes. For those who love with their heart and soul, there is no separation. And that's by Rumi. But think about that. For those who love with heart and soul, there is no separation. And that really hit me because I was like, I feel that a lot, you know? It's like, you know, people I'm supposed to be separated from or people who've lost, you know, I still love them with my heart and my soul. There is no separation. They still live. There's still a part of them that's there, you know? Um, often me and my ex, we have to work out scheduling with the kids and stuff, you know, and, and we'll get really frustrated and we'll like have an argument over the, over the, you know, time, you know, and stuff. Um, but I'm always quick to go like, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Or, you know what? We, we can, we can work this out, you know, or, or she is, and you know why? It's because we still have that heart and soul of the memories of those times that we had cherished together. You know, we're still those people. We're just in different circumstances now. You know, our relationship is defined differently now. But the fact is, is there's still that part. There's still that part of that joy in those moments. And I can have pictures in my mind right away, you know. And I can do that with my mom. You know, like the last time I saw my mom and she gave me a hug and she had a beard and she rubbed her face against my beard and she's like, oh, it's so tickly, you know. And those little things that you hold on to. You know, but also those whole times of like not wanting, you know, always her telling me, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. So we experience good and bad when we carry the dead with us, but we are also there after life. And I believe that love is infinite, in my opinion. I don't believe a lot is infinite. I believe a lot is finite in this life, and of course life is finite, but love is infinite. And I think there's something about you know, my, bro- my dad <clears throat> collects giraffes. He loves giraffes, not actual real giraffes. He doesn't have a farm of giraffes. But like little statues of giraffes and little stuffed animals of giraffes and little things of giraffes and stuff with giraffes on them. And, and the reason is, is that his brother Bob, who died, I think, when he was in his 20s, um, my dad was a little kid, um, he gave him this little stuffed giraffe. And it's funny because I found out later that this little giraffe that he gave him was actually used for trains. 
Now, they would send these trains, these locomotive trains, and they had to put stuffing inside the trains to keep them from breaking. So this toy company said, well, we've got an idea. Let's just make little stuffed animals and put them in these, in these trains to keep them from breaking so then we can also sell those and we, don't, we can cut our cost. So it was this little stuffed animal that helped keep a train alive. And it's funny, my dad used to collect trains too. Huh? Weird. And so he had this little stuffed giraffe that it gave him, and it meant so much to him, you know. And he wasn't that close with his brother Bob, you know. He says he always tells me that I he I remind him of his brother Bob a lot. Uh, Bob was also bald, um, <laughs> and uh, extremely handsome, and uh, and an amazing bowler, strangely enough. So. Um, but he's like, yeah, Bob was always kind of an outcast. And he's like, you remind me of my brother Bob. And sometimes he'll even be like, Bob Baker. He'll say that to me, and it's really weird. But it's neat because he has that, that life of his brother that he still carries with him that he was never close to but had those little intimate moments that are still very alive to him. And now my son has this little stuffed giraffe named Caleb that he named after Caleb right here that my dad gave him. And he loves the giraffe. And he loves little Caleb, you know? And that little, that love, that life just kind of carries on in just these little tiny ways. And, you know, so sometimes we're not even conscious of life after death. Sometimes we don't even realize that the things we're carrying with us, what they've done to us and what they, how they've touched us and how they've affected us, you know? Um... The kids that have stuck with me the most, the people who have stuck with me the most are the p- kids that I had to put in, put in the ground at, when I was doing revolution. You know, there was a few times I had to bury kids in their 20s. You know, or friends who I've lost since then who are part of revolution who, you know, hadn't seen in years. But I remember one person, her hugs were amazing and she always had a brightest smile on her face, you know. And I always remember that. And that lives on with me. And that's just a small part. We, we weren't that close, but she was close to other people. And I see that life, that life after death, still continuing to go on. Now, what does this do for us? What does this say to us about life after death? What does this say for, what do we do? You know, are we good so we can go to heaven? No, it's saying, live life well. Care about others. Do you want to leave a, a, a legacy your legacy can be that of love and caring or taking a stand. And your legacy might not be, oh, well, Jay did this, but it might be, I'm doing this because somebody else did this. You know, when I was talking in, at Spark in uh, Belfast, Ireland, um, I was talking about, you know, loving the other and how we'd love the others and going into the others and going into uncomfortable situations. And someone said, well, how am I going to go to a place where someone doesn't recognize my identity as a human being? You know? And I said, well, I get that. I'm like, but somebody went into the ELCA, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Association, the biggest Lutheran denomination in the country, one of the biggest denominations in the world, whose humanity was not recognized as an LGBTQ person but they stayed. And what happened eventually is the ELCA recognized LGBTQ people as equals, as pastors, as marrying. You know, they just it passed. I don't know who that person was, but I know their legacy lives on 
and they might still be alive, you know, but that's life. Um, we can look at obvious people like Martin Luther King Jr., you know, I mean, his legacy, I've never, you know, I know a lot about the man, I've read a lot of different things about the man, and I know he had a lot of faults, you know, but his life is like heaven to me after, you know, his faults didn't, you know, his faults would go there, and I go, yeah, he was human, okay, guess what, that really excites me, that he was human, because I'm in the human experience too, and I'm full of contradictions as well, and I make mistakes too. But the fact that is that I can aim at that. I'm older than Martin Luther King ever made it to be. He, I think he died in his 30s. I think he was 37, maybe. I'm 43. I'm older than Elvis, okay? There's another legacy. The King <laughs> never wrote a song. But you know what? His life lived on. Now, you have things like that where we also, sometimes we saint people when they die. You know, we do that with, you know, probably like James Dean and Kurt Cobain and, you know, James Dean, especially if you ever go to Hollywood Boulevard and you just see cardboard cutouts and it's like the saint everywhere. I used to have a cardboard cutout that used to scare the daylights out of me and my mom every time we would walk in my room because it's a life-size cardboard cutout of James Dean. I knew it was there, but still. <laughs> when, I, when I lived in a really bad neighborhood, I used to put that cutout by, the, by one of the windows, like Home Alone, so people would think somebody was standing in the room. Um, so thank you, James Dean. <laughs> Your legacy lives on, still making people uncomfortable. Um, keeping my house safe. Um, and I feel like this is what the Apostle Paul did with Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul carried the legacy of Christ. The Apostle Paul never met Jesus. Isn't that weird? But how do I know about grace, and how do I know more about Jesus? How, what really made me fall in love with Jesus is the influence that Paul had on me. I read all the Gospels, and I was like, I'd read them a million times and seen Passion Plays a million times, and probably just saw it so much that I'd become numb to it. And then I started reading about this guy Paul and about what he thought about Jesus, and it blew my mind. And that's life after death. You know? And people, well, Jesus was a ghost and he was around. You know, <laughs> we, we can talk about theology all day. But the fact is, is he had a vision of Jesus on the street when he was walking down, but he still that impacted his life forever. The life of Christ impacted him, and he doesn't say, he doesn't quote Jesus ever. You know, he doesn't talk a lot about what Jesus did on earth. But he grasped the essence of Christ. And that's beautiful, you know. Um, we also have people who like Hitler, you know, and we live a life and go, we don't want to be that. We don't want to see the world turn into that again, you know. His legacy is a warning to us all to not get into that destructive thing. And when we see that happening here in our country and we see people being put in cages and things like that, yeah, we might overreact and go back to that, you know, but we overreact because we don't want that to ever happen again. So there's still a legacy there. So there's still life after death is what I'm trying to say. <clears throat> um, history and historians, I think philosophers are a great, you know, philosophers and theologians are a great example of life after death. You know, the fact that we're still talking about like, 
Paul Tillich's thoughts and things like that, and all these other philosophers, and, and you know, some people have more of an evident, you know, mark where we still say their names. But then you get people like me who can't remember half the theologians he's read, but I have stole a lot from theologians. So I'm, I'm, I'm helping carry on life after death for them. And you see people through history have these arguments. And it's funny because I can sit down and I can argue with Paul, who's 2,000 years dead. You know, I can be uncomfortable with Jesus, who's long gone. I can be uncomfortable with people in my life that I've never met. You know, someone loved me because, you know, I had moments in my life when I was a kid that someone showed me love and compassion, and I continued that on. You know, I've got a a friend who just went out of his way to bring me a football for my birthday. I don't like sports at all. Brought me a football for my birthday, went out of his way, came to my school, brought it to me during school, and I remembered that forever. You know, and so when I was in my 20s, I remember taking up going and buying a skateboard for this kid and taking it to him at his school. You know, it's just this continuous of life, of love. You know, so maybe when we look at 1 Corinthians 13 and it says, love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance, maybe that's what it's saying is that not that we do that, but love does that. You're saying love lives on through us. So why is it important to love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself? We talked about that last week too, or the other week ago. Um, Why is it good to be compassionate? Because it carries on. It never gives up. That love, that thing, that something that's bigger than all of us continues to move forward, continues to live a life after us. Man, I'm grateful for that. You know? Um, so how do we carry the dead with us? We learn. One of the things that's strange about them making a movie about my parents that'll come out probably in next year or the year after, you know, is sitting and talking to the actors. And it being in a place in my life where I said, yeah, they were, you know, They're like, are you nervous about this? And I'm like, I'm not nervous about people seeing their humanity. I think it's important that people know that they were human beings and they had conflicts, you know, in their life. Um, And that's what makes this, for me, the story even more amazing is that they continued and they went on and that my mom loved people the way she did and she never gave up and, and, and continued to move forward. That's the important part. But yeah, she had contradictions. Yeah, she had things that she did that weren't what you think of Christian pastors doing, you know, because she was a human being. And so I'm like, yeah, show the humanity because that's a legacy. Humanity is part of it. That's what brings us in. I mean, why can we go to a movie like The Joker and feel sympathy towards someone who's a, a murderer? Because there's some suffering there. We can embrace in that suffering. We can embrace in the contradictions. We can feel the we can kind of connect with some sort of the pain, you know, and hurt. And we can connect with that. And that's how we carry that with us, you know. We can learn from their mistakes. I mean, that's why books are so amazing. Because 
you know, authors, they don't die. They just become books. You know, and they leave us with these great treasures. So you see what I'm, I'm trying to say is like, everybody adds a little bit different thing. It might be that someone who just brought you a little gift, and who knows who brought them a gift, or who knows what did that for them, you know, and that little legacy carries on forever, which is really beautiful and love and might be powerful, more powerful than any book I ever read. But then there's these books that you read of the legacy of people and you, they talk about their lives and their mistakes and their work and you're able to learn from that and carry that with you and let that allow to shape you and mold you so we can learn from the past. We don't have to let the past go. Everybody's like, leave the past in the past. I'm going like, well, there's certain things, yeah, I would like to leave in the past. But these are lessons that I've learned. I don't want to leave every book I've read in the past. I don't want to leave every mistake I've made in the past because I don't want to make those mistakes again. You know, what does it say? Those who don't study history are... Are, are, destined yeah, are destined to repeat it. You know? And some of what we want to repeat and some of what we don't. But that's what we need to know. And so, yeah. I want my kids to know about their grandma. I want them to carry on that legacy. You know, there's a reason my daughter's name is Amelia Fay. You know? She's got big shoes to fill, but man, sometimes she smiles and I see my mom smiling at me, and it's amazing. Um, so I said, you know, we got to be careful of turning the dead into saints because I think we miss out on the humanity of them when we saint people. But luckily, we're able to look at saints and realize saints are we're human too. And maybe we're all saints in our own way. But, you know, we should allow also the darkness to guide us as well. You know, allow the darkness of other people to guide us and their own demons that whisper from the past, the ghosts that haunt us, to, to guide us as well as, so by embracing their humanity and their contradictions and allowing us to be able to embrace our own humanity and our own contradictions. You know, growing up as a kid with dyslexia, people would be like, did you know Einstein had dyslexia? <laughs> you know, they tell you this because you have hope. You know, he was not perfect. He had, you know, he suffered from something too. He suffered too. He struggled too. And so it's like, oh, okay, I can struggle too. So we embrace the humanity of the past. You know, we carry on the legacy of our parents and our loved ones. And that's life after death for me right now. You know? And so... I can say that if today I, you know, I died, I don't know if people will remember my name, but I know there's people whose lives were affected positively because of me who will carry that on. And I know they're going to, what they're carrying is not mine. It was brought to me by somebody else. A lot of it by my mother. You know, my mother's simple theology still sometimes just burns down Caputo or Tillich or any of these, like, major theologians that I read of just, Jesus loves you. You can make it. Sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm going back to that now. Thanks. See you all later. You know? Well, Jay, what do you think about, you know, <laughs> predestination? I don't, free will. I don't care. You know, I know that I can make it and that I'm going to love people through this. I know that I saw my mom in her darkest hours still love people. I saw when my mom was making huge mistakes still carry on her work. I saw the contradiction, and I realized, guess what? That's just being human. And what has that done? It's given me a license to be human 
People are like, aren't you afraid that grace is a license to sin? No, grace is a license to be human. Unless, guess what? You really don't have any other choice anyway, license or no license. We're all humans. I like when the Bible says, we all fall short of God's glory standard, yet God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. We all fall short. Um, Paul said um, in Galatians 2.19, he goes, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I live my life now. I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, and so Paul's saying, this is what, I don't even live anymore. I, I, the ghost of Jesus carries me. The Spirit of Christ compels me. <laughs> you know, I died with Christ. You know, and you hear people say, a little part of me died when they died. When, when they passed or when I lost them, a piece of me was gone. But I don't know if that's true. I think maybe it's saying, yeah, maybe a piece of you is replaced with a piece of them. And that's what you're carrying with you. Maybe that grief is them haunting you to live life in a new and different way. And you'll never be the same because you've been completely changed in a way you've repented from who you were and become someone new because they're gone and you're carrying that on. Is that not a beautiful thought? To me, that's, that's freedom. That's grace. That's, that's, the, that's the holiness that someone longed for. You know, That's repentance. That's change. That's evolution. That's evolving into something new is when we carry the life of others with us. And that's what we all are, creations of life after death. Just, we, you know, I, read a, I heard a quote, I read a quote that said, the older you get, the more ghosts you carry with you. You know, at first I was like, oh yeah, it's really tough, you know, all these bad, scary ghosts. But it's not like that. It's like, you know, you just carry a lot of ghosts, a lot of people, a lot of past that's built on a foundation that's created you into something else. You carry that with you now. And I'm grateful for that. Um, what I wanted, how I wanted to end this was I wanted, when I was visiting my mom when she was sick, I went and bought a Bible. And I meant to get the New Revised Standard Version. And I got the New American Standard on accident. And so I was about to take it back. And then I said, oh, you know what? I said, Mom, I said, this is a weird question. I said, you know, I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable, but would you write something in my Bible, this Bible, in the front of the Bible for me? And I said, but I'm not going to read it until after you've passed away. And I'm like, you know, if you make it through this cancer, then I'll still hold on to it and read it later. And she said, sure, honey, I'd be glad to. And I haven't read this in years. Um, I'll look at this. It's a birthday card for my mom. And she would put her lipstick on there. Those are kiss lips. And then she would cover it with tape so it wouldn't smear. So, man, that on eBay would probably be really... (laughs) But that's her mom in 2002. And, um, yeah, a little birthday card. I didn't even know that was in there. I mean, I literally haven't read this since I think I was in Brooklyn. 
and she's got very strong cursive writing, so bear with, it makes the dyslexia even more fun. She goes, uh, this was on 10-8-06. My precious boy, you have no idea how long and how hard I've prayed for you. The, gay, the day God sent you, I felt you were mine, uh, felt my, you were my little package from him, kicking and screaming, a bundle of pure joy. Any mom that has a son has, has no... I, no, any woman who does not have a son has no idea what she is missing. I love you. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time reading this just because it's recursive. I believe in you and your wonderful ministry. I am proud of you. Your stand for the love, the stand that you've taken for love, She has never looked back. No matter what. Regret means nothing. They are just a waste of time. <laughs> Valuable time. Always be you. I love your tattoos and your funny, soft, little mustache that tickles me when you kiss me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Jay Baker, I love you with all my heart. You have become a wonderful man. Love, Mom. So that was something that my mom wrote for me. And uh, I wanted to share that with you. You know, and I keep that with me. And uh, obviously, I have this birthday card. I'm going to read you the birthday card. How about that? I brought the most wonderful little baby I'd ever seen home on Christmas Eve. We put you in the bassinet in the living room by the Christmas tree. Tammy Sue put her hand on you and prayed that Jesus would come into your heart. <laughs> Isn't that funny? My sister, I'm going to have to tell her that. You have become such a wonderful man. I'm so proud of you, my son. It took a lot of praying, but it was worth it. Ha ha. <laughs> you... You and mom have spent some wonderful times together that I cherish. I am glad you're mine. I love you, honey. May this be your greatest year. You're working for the Lord. Love, mom. So that's the legacy I get to carry with me. I'm glad I get to today, literally. Um, 
what a wonderful woman, what a wonderful person to have in my life, and what a wonderful person to carry with me through this life. I will never not want to be haunted by her five foot ten, big eye lashed, lots of makeup, loving ghost. <laughs> um, so yeah, there you go. That was today's talk. Um, as, as we do now, it's time for Afterglow. Um, and Afterglow has become one with the Revolution Service. So I'll look at my clock because my kids are getting dropped off in a little bit. But yeah, looks like we've got good on time. So yeah, I'd like to share. We got some online. You got some online? Comments. We got uh, 12 people on right now, actually. Okay. You want to hear a couple of those? Sure. Let's start off. Double. Yeah, right? So uh, our friend Sean, Crick's pastor on Instagram, uh, said you, you can stay, you don't have to stay about in spaces, you know, that you don't feel welcome. Yeah. And um, he said many people stay in abuse, hoping their abuser will change, which can be a dangerous trap. It's better, I think, to leave, heal, find your untraumatized self, and then if you want to return when you're able to stand. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, yeah. I also think different people do different things. Some people stand and make a change, and some people stand and have to go and take care of themselves, and I don't think we can... I think we have to have self-care. You know, I think it's vitally important. You know, I've been spending the past year just in a lot of uh, therapy and things like that, trying to take care of myself, so... Yeah. And Josh is now live with us. Do you, want, do you have some... Some first, Josh. <laughs> no, can you hear Jay? Do you want me bring it up to you? I mean, I think there's a time to exploit grace. Um, to be honest with you, I think there's a time where we abuse grace. And I don't think you can abuse grace. That's the ironic thing. But I think there's a time where you where you get like this. For me, there was. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm free. Where's the alcohol? You know, God loves me just the way I am. I remember being drunk in a bar, drinking, being drunk, and, and telling other people, Hey man, you know what? Yeah, this is what I was doing when I got drunk and I got the grace. Is Jesus loves us just the way we are, no matter what. It's a, you know, and I was just going into a spiral. Um, but then I realized that this grace was such a good thing that I went ahead and decided I needed to get my life together and join a twelve-step program. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we all fear grace as a license to be something 
is it a license to be a jerk or a license to do whatever you want or a license that you're not going to help anybody? And I think there might be a time of of a period of, of, of grace where we all go, a grace period. How about that? I think there's a grace period of grace where we all kind of go through that together. Anyone else has anything? Anybody here have anything? It's you guys. guys. Yeah, Bye. not to call you out as you guys are leaving. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Have a good week. Have a good week. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 I think it's, uh, I kind of didn't know it here for the whole thing, but I like the way that you use the word haunty, but not as, most people think of it as such a negative thing. But I think that using it as a legacy term of, like, your mom, for instance, and how her passion was love and how love trumps all and that's kind of what haunts you is that foundation of love built into you that no matter what else you read or what else might happen that's your go your what you go back to is love and somebody was asking me um, at this other church they're like oh who does revolution church I'm like oh Jay Baker and they're like oh what did you talk about and I'm like grace and love are the two biggest things and that was immediately what came out of my mouth was when they asked me about you was grace and love. So that's really cool if that's what you're talking about the first time I come back is <laughs> grace and love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I'm stuck. It's a great thing to be stuck. Skip. This could be record. But yeah, I think, yeah, I mean that love part I definitely got from my parents. You know, where grace kind of came a little bit later, but you know, they're kind of like their brother and yeah, they're intertwined. Anyone else? Why we figure out technical issues? Uh, I'll read one more thing here. Um, Darcy on Instagram says, turning people into saints after they pass uh, can cause complications and keep us from sorting through the not-so-great memories. You have to remember the community as an profession. Yes. That's a very good observation. Anybody else? The other thing I was thinking of with Grace was I heard someone say, uh, go where you're appreciated, not tolerated. Yeah. I think that's one thing that people out there fighting with that and they feel like they keep going back someplace where they're not welcomed. Just keep that in mind that you're better off where you're appreciated, not just tolerated. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I mean, I'm in a lot. I, uh, I agree. I'm, I don't know why I keep answering these things. I just, it's just common time. But, yeah, I mean, there are certain times in my work where I have to go where I am, where I do go, where I'm tolerated, you know? Um, but in my friendships, when I realize I'm just being tolerated, it's hard to... Sometimes those friendships just have to just stop and I just we just have to go like, hey, I'm going to love you from afar. Yeah. You know? Knowing that this is, I'm not, you know, I'm getting beat up every time I'm around you where I'm feeling empty and not like I add up and I can't live my life that way anymore. Yeah, I feel yeah. worse after I leave. Yeah. yeah. And I think there are times where we have to just move on. Doesn't mean we have to stop loving the person and we even can carry the good things with them or the organization, you know? I mean, that's one of the great things I love about Sean. And we've talked about this is, you know, he was really hurt by an organization and by a big church. But he's also, man, he's carried a lot of really positive stuff with him. He really took the good stuff and just took the rest of the crap and like put it behind him. And now he's taking the, that crap 
and building it into something else to help other people not have to go through that same crap. You know what I mean? So he even molded that into something new. So all that stuff is it can be useful. You know, it might not be at that time when we need to get out and get away. But in the long run, we might be able to help other people do the same thing and have better boundaries. And um, I'm having to learn to respect other people's boundaries too, and other things. You know, and that's tough sometimes. You know, when you're not, you realize you're not the. You know, they have boundaries with you, and you're like, oh, I'm because I'm not the biggest boundary setter. So I have to go, like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah, these are boundaries, and they're important to you. And so this is part of our friendship, or part of our working relationship, or things like that. You know. Yeah, man, it's tough. It's not easy. Yeah, as a God-centered guy, he's... I feel like I didn't... It's so funny, we're talking about all the stuff we're talking about. I was like, oh, I just thought I'd talk about life after death, but I guess I talked about a lot of stuff. I do love your take on life after death. I think that's a, a much more productive way to approach that question. You know, in tangible things, and, and uh, appreciate people's past and the things that we will do. And stuff like that, and even seeing people who have passed in others, like you're saying that that woman from uh, say New York, maybe the twenty-something-year-old who gave you a nice hug. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Really and like seeing maybe seeing her effect on other people who's you know who's still around, and even like the card from your mom that's that's her being alive after her passing. Whether or not there is. Uh, a quantifiable act of life, and that's a more productive way to approach it. It's pragmatic. Well, that's what I was thinking, just because, you know, when you see people who lose people and they don't believe in that, especially, and have no want to believe in it, you go, okay, well, what is life after death in there? What does that mean to them? That's what I was trying to figure out, honestly. It was like, what does life after death mean to the person who does not believe in life after death? You know? And I just kept coming back to this legacy. And then I was like, okay, well, let's strip down. What is legacy, really? You know, legacy is just kind of a cold, distant word. You know? And it's like haunting. And then good things and bad things. You know? I mean, my dad's still alive. Mom's not. But there's certain things that I, as a parent, I, I don't do to my kids or say to my kids because of how my parents raised me and I'm like okay that didn't work and there's certain things that were really great and I go oh I'm going to do that with them you know anyway I don't know I'm scrabbling but I think um, the people that we lose and the people that we haven't lost yet do live on in our neural pathways yeah we hear you know we hear those voices repeating what they said in the past and usually it's several things they've said and, and oftentimes unfortunately we hear more the negative than the positive but um, I mean they, they are alive and they're in our DNA if they're yeah okay. <laughs> so I mean they're part of our physical yeah. forward not just I was wondering today if um, I think about the strange things, but I was thinking, what if I die and I died in an accident and so someone received my heart, my heart was transplanted and that person was a neo-Nazi. I wonder if I would, there would still be enough of me in there 
to influence it. <laughs> because I, I do believe that who we are affects our physical organs. That's interesting. I wonder if they've done like research. You know, I've heard, it might just be uh, anecdotal, but I've heard stories about people who like will receive an organ from someone and then they get into contact with the family and find out that they've kind of taken on some traits, like either liking a certain type of food or maybe like an allergy or something like that. Just kind of. You can get allergies from blood transfusions. Yeah. You can get blood allergies from that. It's pretty well. So I'm just wondering. Wow, that's interesting. The other thing I was thinking about this morning, and I'm not making this up, I was thinking, I wonder where Garrett is. <laughs> no, I was. I thought, I wonder how we can get in touch with Garrett. So I was really happy to see you. Oh. Miracles happen. <laughs> I think that people come to mind. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Are we good? I think so. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for a wonderful service. And uh, see you next week. Good. Have a good Thanksgiving. That fictional holiday. What's that? That fictional holiday. Yes. Do you have, hey, are the baking instructions in there? Yeah. Sorry, you want to see Hey, Gary, you want a pizza? Oh, um, I brought one for Kurt, but he's coming back. Sure. It's a uh, chicken bacon yeah. roast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I gotta come uh, tag along with you to that other trip that you were talking about sometime. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. right before this one. So. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's the Phoenix Theater. Okay. Double church. Yeah. I used to have oh, thanks, yeah. thanks a lot, Jay. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax deductible donation today, please visit slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Hi, this is Caleb with Post-Christian Podcasting. If you're a fan of Revolution Church Podcast, you'll probably also like our brand new show, Loosen the Bible Belt. Here's a quick clip of co-hosts, our own Jay Baker and comic Kristen Becker, interviewing Derek Webb of renowned Christian music fame. Check it out. Can I get an Amen! Every random person who believes anything, if the art they make is good, is amplified. And I actually don't have a, a specific problem with that anywhere else, because any other genre of music isn't the soundtrack for a specific worldview, the right. way that Christianity is. Well, that's the thing, for sure, that where you guys... That's what bothers me where, Yeah, where you guys were suddenly like spokesperson for a movement that that's went correct. way deeper than, you know, than just being musical artists. And that some of us had only started to really seriously study 18 months before. Right. Which means we were really not qualified to have that position or had that voice. A god, a medical monopoly for all patients in pilots' war. Good God Almighty! That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>